Welcome. You are listening to a Spiritual Gift for Commuters podcast, a weekly podcast show dedicated to listeners who travel daily from home to work, near and far, while still coping with the rigors of everyday life. If you don't mind hearing a few words of encouragement and empowerment, we invite you to sit back and listen in. Here's your host, Pastor Ray Lane. Greetings. I have a question for you. How are you going to add value to your life in the workplace today? I'm Pastor Ray Lane with a second in a series of podcasts called Spiritual Gifts for Commuters. Last time I focused on the idea that we are spiritual beings on a physical journey. Today I want to move into how two people my wife and I discovered the way to a very fulfilling life and how that can happen for you too. Along the way I'll answer in part the question that I started with. But first a bit more background. I was just a good old farm boy back in the last century going about my life and thought I was doing okay and maybe fantastic for all the awards I was getting. But when I was 31, I experienced, that is, I saw, I felt, I observed something that left me speechless. I had been somewhat wary and depreciating of religion, but I had married a beautiful lady with a terrific temper. Years later, she would describe herself publicly as like someone who occasionally rode around on a broomstick, and I wouldn't have disputed that description. But something happened that was indisputable. Her spiritual story had started years before when as a girl she became curious about radio preachers and what they were talking about. But her dad forbid her for listening to that junk. The fact is that God is the one who initiates our desire to come in contact with him and gives us ways and opportunities to come to have a living relationship with him. There came a day when a good neighbor asked if she could take our young children to a vacation Bible school. I said okay, and they went and they had great fun. A year later, the same thing. She wanted to take them, they went, fun, and enjoyed it. Then she wanted to take them to Sunday school every Sunday. Because they found it a happy experience, I said okay. Then in a few weeks, I told my wife, you know, it might be a good idea to go and find out what indoctrination our kids are getting. I'm not sure I know a lot about this church. She jumped at the opportunity and started going, and she liked it. I'd always felt that a church only wanted you there so they could get your money, and then after you'd given some, you'd go around all week with a face like a sick mule because they'd gotten your money. Then one day she came home from church and said, I got saved today. I said, saved? Saved from what? She couldn't put it into words very well, but I immediately observed that her whole demeanor changed. I like that word, demeanor. The prefix D means to remove or reduce, so when you put D in front of the word mean, It gives real insight to one of the multitude of aspects of what coming to believe in Jesus as Lord brings about in our lives. In her case, the meanness attached to her temper was gone. 
the sharpness, pettiness, and selfishness just suddenly disappeared. She was different in a lot of good ways. She'd never been a really terrible person, but now she was much easier to love. At that point in time, I couldn't have comprehended what that action of being born again, as Jesus explained in the New Testament book of John, was all about. But having a new, nicer wife and then meeting the pleasant, happy church people showed me that being a born-again Christian was really a desirable thing to have happen. It was from that modest observation that led my attitude about church and church people began to change to the point where several years later I chose to join their ranks. It was after that time that I really began to learn what it all meant, and that's what I want to share with you now. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, that is, go to hell, but come to know Jesus as the Savior from that kind of perishing. It can happen for every person on earth and has happened for millions through the ages. First of all, we need to be willing to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. One of the things that always impressed me about Billy Graham was that he would hold the Bible up and say, The Bible says. And it was obvious that he believed in it. I had the privilege of working and being involved in the Billy Graham crusade, eight consecutive services one year. In time, I learned the massive evidence, that, that massive evidence exists that the Bible is true. Of course, there's still skeptics to that fact. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some people can be hit by a truck and say it didn't happen. We're all different, but before I became a believer, my wife would leave the Bible open and tell me there was some great thought there, and I'd glance at it, and it didn't mean a thing to me. However, since seeing the change in her life led seeing the change in her life led me to be softened a bit toward the Bible. We'd had a Bible in the house as a child, and but nobody ever read it. I had, however, learned the twenty-third Psalm and the Lord's Prayer, and heard about Jesus being born and the whole bit that meant gifts at Christmas and then Easter as a time to dress up and go to church. So I had a little information about Jesus, but my attitude was, so what's that supposed to mean to me? We may have a lot of religious experience, no experience, or perhaps scoff and demean religion, or like me, a person simply disinterested because I was satisfied with my life. But the fact is that becoming a Christian by believing in Jesus, that Jesus, who he said he is, and entering into a relationship with him and being born again, it's a really big deal. If you enjoy getting a new car, a new home, or watching the excitement, pageantry, and beauty of something like the Kentucky Derby, which is coming up pretty soon, or maybe the seventh game of the World Series, or a graduation service, or the wedding, or the birth of a baby, something that gives you a thrill, there's a thing in, there's a thing that happened can happen in life that's even more important. It's being born again. Though if you're like me, it may take a while to figure it out. I remember exactly where I was at 9 a.m. on 9/11. I remember hearing Pearl about Pearl Harbor on Sunday morning, 
December 7, 1941, about 8 o'clock in the morning. But the date burned into my memory is the one for my spiritual birth of December 20th, 1965. Now, it's not so important to remember the day though, as it is to know that you're a Christian. Remember, being a believer is based on evidence. Evidence that so far I've only said exists, but it can take a lifetime to explore. Atheists try to define faith as a belief in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy and try to make you think that belief in God's the same kind of thing. But have you ever heard of an adult coming to believe in the Tooth Fairy? No. But we hear all the time about adults coming to faith in Jesus, and the evidence is all around us. Anyway, my wife had been going to church for three years and surely, slowly showing me what a real Christian life was like and introducing me to some fun-loving, truly honest and trustworthy people. Looking back, I didn't realize how much all that had impacted me. But then one day she asked me if I believed in Jesus as Lord. I said yes and went on about my work. Later that day, she asked me if I understood that by saying that and meaning it, as I did, that meant I'd been born again. What had happened was incredibly simple, yet profoundly deep in its implications. Now, don't leave me right here because there's a lot of variations involved. I'll get to that pretty soon. Some pretty rapid-fire things happened. My wife said it was true, if it was true, that I'd been born again and she wanted to tell the people about it. I didn't even know I was supposed to be excited. So I told her she could let them know so they could beat the drum or blow the trumpet or whatever they wanted to do. So she did and they celebrated a baby's birth. That was the end of day one for me. The next morning when I got up, I noticed that I didn't need a cigarette as was my habit. And then I'd never abused my purebred cattle, but they seemed to act better around me, and so did the dog. As the day wore on, I realized that my language, the language developed in college of all places, and the military, and on the farm, had somehow been cleaned up. It just cleaned up. I didn't do anything about it. Try to change, but it changed. Later I realized that when I went to business and social meetings, I didn't want or need any alcohol to be happy. I was already happy. But then the next weekend something happened that made me realize the incredible extent to which I had changed. Sunday morning I came in from doing chores and my wife and kids were almost ready to leave church for church. I'd never attended Sunday school in our marriage and church only twice a year. But that morning I said, if you'll wait for me, I'll get cleaned up and go with you. I did, and they did, and we went to a Bible study class, and the teacher started talking, and I realized he believed the Bible was true. But he was using a lot of words that were totally foreign to me. So not knowing what he was talking about, and not being the quiet, reserved-type person, but a person who felt that if there was anything I didn't understand at the moment, now was the time to ask questions. If I didn't do it then, I'd be older when I finally learned what the answer was. So I spoke, and I asked, and I think I about drove him crazy. It was a wonderful learning time for me. And he had to learn how to explain stuff that he had in his heart for years. Then we went into what they called a worship service. 
at the time I thought, well, I guess that means you're supposed to thank God or something. They sang songs I'd never heard of, and then a preacher got up and started talking about Jesus. That made me very uncomfortable to be hearing that word in church when I'd only been used to hearing Jesus as a swear word. But of course, in time, that changed. Well, there was another event that happened in that worship service. The pastor announced that they would take up the offering. I hurriedly wrote a check, and when the offering plate came by, I dropped a check in. It was in that moment that I fully realized that I was a new creation, as it says in the New Testament. You see, the concept that part of my earnings belonged to God was an awesome and wonderful surprise to have happened to me, the original tightwad. Okay, now let me share what essentially needs to happen for you to start your Christian life. The fact that you live in a so-called Christian community doesn't mean you're Christian any more than saying that you have a boathouse means that you have a houseboat. Being a true Christian that means that we have a relationship with Jesus. And let me tell, it, tell you a true story with, that illustrates to some degree what I mean. Years ago in England there was a high society party and one of the guests was a well-known actor and several act guests asked him to recite the 23rd Psalm. Those were the days when everyone knew it. So he did, and when he was done, there was this round of applause and even some British, hoo, 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 some cheering, for it was well-spoken. But also present was a well-known minister, and after much persuasion, he too said the 23rd Psalm for them. But when he finished saying it, the only sound heard was sobbing. In a moment, the actor spoke to the crowd and said, You may wonder what has just happened. It's just this. I know diction. I can do all sorts of things with my voice that are pleasant to the ear. But the pastor knows the shepherd. Reciting the Lord is my shepherd is really different from saying a word of truth that the Lord is my shepherd. At some time we need to come to realize that we're all sinners. We can read in Romans in the Bible that a verse that says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a pretty hard statement for some to handle unless we know that we're a pretty bad person. We may have a tendency to think, I'm as good as that person. The thing is, God keeps a record, and when we think about it, we know what, that we, what we've done too. Now, when Jesus' disciples asked him how to go about praying, he included this line, Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And then Jesus went on to say in Matthew 6.12, If you forgive those who sin against you, then I will forgive you. Let me try to illustrate it this way. Many of us re have received a traffic ticket for violation of some sort. Think of it as a sin. 
we have to appear before a judge and he hears the case and there's clear evidence that we're guilty. Uh, yeah. It is the judge's responsibility to pronounce the penalty, whatever it's to be. Suppose the judge says to you, you owe $500 or a month in jail. You are traumatized. But then the judge says, I see that you're in no position to pay and that jail would kind of mess up your life. So I'll tell you what I'll do. Here's $500 and the slate is wiped clean. You pay that, use the $500 to pay the fine. Would you take the deal? Of course. Well, because God, our judge, takes a dim view of sin, he says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. Now, death in this case means eternity in hell as opposed to eternal life in heaven with God. There's no way on earth we can pay for our sins, so God sent his son Jesus to earth to be the payment for our sin. We don't understand it, I don't think, very well, but it's, it's a fact biblically correct. When we accept him as payment of our sin, our sin's flight slate is wiped clean and we're fit and prepared and ready for heaven. You see, when he said he has, would forgive us if we forgive others, this forgiveness issue is the heart of being and becoming a Christian. The thing is, I can forgive another person whether they ask for forgiveness or not. But to know we've been forgiven, we must know we've asked for forgiveness. Let me illustrate that this way. Suppose you're a single person and come in contact with an individual that's attractive to you and to you to them. You go on a date. Are you married at that point? No. Time passes and you're engaged. Are you married at that point? No. We know we're married because at some, the day comes when we each say, I do. And I've heard those words many times as a pastor. Also included in those vows are the words forsaking all others, and we do. In the same way, when we become a born-again believer, we know that in one way or another we have said yes to Jesus being Lord, and, our, and he has forsaken, we forsake our involvement with all sinful activities. We need to understand how the Bible understands sin. In 1 John 3, to sin means to do something you know to be wrong. In James 4, it means to fail to do what you know to be right. So there's two sides to this item aspect of what we call sin. Then I looked back on my life and I discovered one big sin, though all sin is big, and lots of little ones, and that's when I asked for forgiveness. Now I imagine you want to know what was that big sin. I'll tell you. The big one was that even though I knew stuff about Jesus, I had ignored him rather than embraced him and all his better ways of living. I hope you're not disappointed by that idea. Now the Bible is all the littler stuff so that I thought of little, that was all forgiven as well. Now the Bible is full of ways we can come to faith in Jesus, but one of my favorite scriptures is found in 1 John 1, 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I suppose I've asked hundreds of people if they have made that prayer and they go simply something like this usually. Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Then I ask, well, what happened when you did that? The most common answer I did is, well, I feel good. Well, that's good, but did God forgive you? Then I, then I, the answer I get is more often, well, I hope so, or I think so, which is almost right. But you see, verse 9 says, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Does God lie? Never. We have it on the divine authority of his word. He says if we mean what we said, then he, he says he forgives us. So he said it, I believe it, and that settles it. It means that he has taken the penalty for all of our sins so that we can live righteous lives. That's a life of joy and certainly of heaven. This joyful life is part of what makes it possible for us to be able to go to work and add quality to our job on a given day, to our relationships with our co-workers and with everything related in life. We can be a better neighbor to everyone around us. We're not promised to, that the Christian life will be a bed of roses. You may encounter some thorns, but you'll become aware of an element of love in your life that you never had before. You'll find that there's some things you didn't do that now you want to do, as well as some things you'll no longer want to do. You'll likely want to find a church of other believers where you can learn more of what it's all about. More than likely, you know someone who attends a good church and would happy to have you come there with them. Just be sure that a church has correct Christian principles and doctrines. You'll also want to tell someone something like, I've become a born-again Christian, a believer. In today's world, you might get some scoffing, but you also might hear some serious rejoicing. Well, that takes care of this for today, and I, I just want to thank you for listening. I'll be here uh, next week. I hope that you're here, too. If you have any questions or comments, you can contact me on email at rayhope13514 at gmail.com. That's rayhope13514 at gmail.com. I'll be happy to hear from you. Online, I can recommend my friend Dr. James on the airways, Dr. James Dobson and Family Talk, possibly on a radio station near you. Also, many good church services on television, including Dr. David Jeremiah for your enrichment. If you have tough questions like, why does suffering happen? I might be able to give you an answer for that. But it's best done, I think, through an organization by the name of RZIM on YouTube. That's R as in Robert, Z as in Zebra, I as in Ida, M as in Mary. I listen to them oftentimes. There's perhaps uh, 75 different speakers that answer the tough questions that people have. It's terrific. 
Then if you live in San Diego County, Escondido Church of the Nazarene on South Redwood Street would welcome you there, and perhaps I might be there as well. And I attended a church on Easter that you'll hear more about in the future, Dove Creek Church of the Nazarene in the Tascadero on the Central California coast. Well, goodbye for now. May God richly bless you. This concludes this week's segment of Spiritual Gifts for Commuters podcast. Thank you for listening. Pastor Lane will be here again next week. He hopes you'll join him then too. If you have any additional questions or comments, you can contact Pastor Lane via email at rayhope13514 at gmail.com. That email once again, rayhope13514 at gmail.com. If you reside in the San Diego County region, Escondido Church of the Nazarene on South Redwood Street welcomes you to join them. And perhaps you'll meet Pastor Lane there as well. Until then, fellow listeners and friends, be well, be strong, and be encouraged.